Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. Now, Ryan, we now are live. officially live. Awesome. We're live and alive. Hello, everybody. I'm Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. Welcome to a special Patreon live session. Yeah, that's right. We're doing a live stream just for our Patreon supporters, and then uh, we don't have podcast Sean with us today. He already flew away. We're actually in Florida right now. So we really hope all this gets recorded uh, correctly without uh, Sean being here. <laughs> We're at uh, Joshua Weaver, who he just set up a little recorder over here to the side. So it won't be the same pristine sounds, but after the fact, we, we can put this up as an audio-only podcast exclusively, exclusively for our Patreon supporters. Yeah. And uh, I have some questions. Uh, you all submitted your questions on Patreon. And then we had you upvote the uh, the most popular ones, and so I have like five or six questions here, Ryan. Cool. And we can uh, we can start answering <laughs> some questions. I just I'm sorry. I just gotta take a moment. I don't think there's anyone with us right now. So like I know we're recording this. It's just funny uh, to me how like we're we're answering your questions. You and don't, you don't say that loud. <laughs> What's that? You don't have to be that loud. Oh my bad. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right. So uh, yes, what do we got, man? So this is for all, all the Patreon supporters, and, and you all you submitted your questions. We have a, a bunch of them here. Patreon, live stream, 005 questions. Uh, Kira says, I'm in my senior year of college in a house with three other girls, and two of the girls are extremely rude, negative, judgmental, mm. inconsiderate. It's not financially feasible for me to move out right now. But it definitely takes a lot of time and energy out of me just to keep quiet, uh, to not react and try to uh, not let, try to not let it get to me. Mm. Do you have any advice? Um, yeah, though the word I agree with you is probably not feasible for you to to get out of there financially, right? Um, but if you you're you're in an abusive relationship, I mean, this is a type of, of abuse. It's very low level. There are certainly worse levels of abuse. There's Domestic violence is really terrible abuse, but just because this isn't domestic violence, there isn't anyone in the house beating you up. Uh, they, if someone is constantly being negative or rude to you, and um, you've had conversations with them, and you, you just feel like there's a dynamic there that is not going to change, it may not be financially feasible. But you know what? It's also not feasible to stay in, in a relationship like that. Mm. I think, I think of the, this is obviously different, but it can be somewhat analogous. I think of when we were in the corporate world, Ryan, yeah. we, um, yeah, I was, I was we were in a situation <laughs> that, was, that, that was not, it wasn't feasible for us to leave, but we put together a plan for us to get out of there. Absolutely. That's exactly what I was just thinking. Um, yeah, unfortunately, when, when we come to these realizations like, like you have, and you realize, I'm like, oh, wow, these, these relationships are, are pernicious and something has to be done about them. Yeah, you can't just get up and walk out, just like Josh and I couldn't just get up and walk out on our jobs. But what you can do is you can start addressing that, like Josh said, about having some, some deeper conversations and asking for support. And if it gets to a point where yeah, these people aren't willing to support you, then yeah, you've got to come up with a plan and find something else to do. Because I'll tell you what, you may not be able to financially afford it right now, 
but you certainly uh, can't can't uh, mentally afford it right now. This this is going to affect your health in, in the long run. So the advice is this: um, try to fix the relationships. If you cannot fix the relationships, put together a plan that's going to get you out of that situation and work that plan. My my partner Rebecca had a similar situation in college. She went to uh, Wisconsin, mm. and she was in a house. Uh, with six other women or seven women in the house total and she was the only introvert out mm -hmm. of the whole house and she this is actually when she realized that she was an introvert yeah. and so she was in a house with six other uh, extroverts and and she she being the the introvert she she found that she had, had adapted to their life for a while and while it was an ideal situation for uh, the first year after that it became untenable and so mm -hmm. there may have been a time where it was okay and, and you felt like this is going to be a great relationship and that season has passed and just because that season has passed doesn't mean you have to stay stuck in that season you're not going to keep wearing your your winter coat well into the summer because then you're just going to get really hot right it's going to be inappropriate for you to do that and so it may no it may no longer be the appropriate season for you to to still live in that house mm -hmm. and ryan you're right the, the there it may not be financially feasible for her but there are so many other costs it is not emotionally feasible for yeah. you to stay in, in this house it, it and it, it is it is probably going to stunt your overall uh development uh, and it's going to hurt the rest of your life, whether that's your grades or your social life or your opportunity for advancement in the future, if you don't find a way out of this relatively soon. And so there will be some resources for you out there. The question is, how do you make it financially feasible for you to leave? And, and so develop a plan and execute on that plan accordingly. Ryan, our, our, our next question here yes. is from Jeff. And it's for me. He says, Joshua, what does your writing ritual look like? Uh, where do you write? What's your posture? Uh, what are your what breaks do you take? What's your work rhythm, etc.? Um, I have a very unimpressive, un well, not even unimpressive, unsexy answer for this. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I was to say, I know that I want a sexy answer to this. Yeah. And I think most people want a sexy answer because. You know, it's like, like let's say you had, let's think of a sex answer. You know what I do is I, I light like a vanilla candle on one side and a hazelnut candle on the other side. I get the perfect uh, ambiance of, of smell going on. I've got, I've got a Philip Glass playing in the background because it makes black brown music. I um, write only in the nude. <laughs> right, and I'm, and I'm nude. Like, pe <laughs> like people really want a sex answer because they want to be inspired. Right, right. And, and I tell you, I, I don't feel inspired to write always but I feel compelled to write and, and I'll try to make a distinction between the two I feel compelled to to get my thoughts and ideas onto the page because it helps me think better it helps me better articulate what my worldview is and um, I used to have all these crazy rules I have to have, have my laundry done and the dishes have to be washed and gotta have that first cup of coffee gotta have the coffee there with me and then uh, I gotta have my my water and and oh, I forgot to brush my teeth. Let me go do that real quick. Did I check what was in the dryer? Oh man, I forgot to fold those clothes. And, and all of a sudden you have these 15 different rules. And of course you've, you execute on 14 of them, but there's always gonna be the next one, whatever the next one is. And it's procrastination. And I have only one rule now, and it's I have to get out of bed. And, um, and, and that's really it. I have to get out of bed, and I like to write for three hours a day. I, my sweet spot is minimum two hours. I wrote for about two hours this morning, actually. 
Uh, and I break my, my writing sessions into writing and to editing. Um, and I write about a third of the time, I edit two thirds of the time. And so this morning, I was an actual writing session in the sense that I, I was an editing session, so it wasn't writing in the sense that I was getting words onto a page. I was actually removing words from a page. Um, I, I, I have to fill up, for me, it's, uh, there's a, I produce a lot of volume so that I can edit it down into something that's worth reading, right? And so if you read a 400 word essay on our website, it was probably 2,000 words at some point, uh, 2,000 unpublishable words. Uh, I don't take a lot of breaks when I'm doing that because it tends to get me out of flow state. Uh, although, if I'm working on a long, longer project like a book, there will be a lot of 14-hour days. And of course, I do take breaks for that. I'll, I'll go for a walk after a couple hours. Um, it, it's the only time of the day where I sit for longer than an hour. And uh, I know that's probably not the best uh, recommendation for health. But uh, if I'm taking breaks through, product, uh, through any other sort of productivity uh, period of my day, whether it's email or whatever, I, I tend to take a, a break every 22 minutes and do something physical for at least two minutes before I sit back down and get back into my inbox. But uh, I'm completely distraction-free, and and I think that's the important part. Get into that to, to get into that flow state. You can't have the tweets or the email on or uh, no Wi-Fi. Make sure my Wi-Fi is turned off, and I just I just write. It's just me and a, a blank page, and and sometimes the thoughts spill out. Sometimes they don't. So what I hear your answer being is this, you sit in the chair and you write, yeah. and you eliminate as many distractions as possible. Yes. Yeah. So that'll keep you sitting in the chair. Yes, yeah, sit in the chair. Those are the, the four most uh, the helpful words that I've, I've ever gotten with respect to writing. That is the least sexiest answer I can think of, but it is the <laughs> most practical answer I can think of. Sit in the chair, yeah. naked. Yeah. Wait a minute. All right. <laughs> what else we got? Uh, let's see here. We have a question from Suzanne. Uh, wait, Suzanne. No, just Suzanne. How do you handle diaries? I have many of them and love them. Well, mm. that's a problem. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, I read them regularly. Uh, they are gratitude diaries, and they remind me of all the things I am and have been thankful for. And I do not want to get rid of them. Still, they are becoming more... They're becoming more and more. And I thought, I thought about scanning them, but that does not feel right. Help. Um, well, I totally get all of this, except for the love part. Like I, you, know, you often hear me and Ryan say, love people, use things. And uh, diaries are something we use. Um, they're inanimate objects, and loving any physical item becomes problematic. Uh, uh, and even attaching some sort of sentiment to a physical item, a diary in particular is a tool, right? Now that tool can trigger the memories that are inside of you, they can trigger these feelings of love, and so hopefully I, I think that's what you mean by that, Suzanne, is it's triggering these, these emotions, and if that's the case, then I don't really see a big problem with having a few diaries laying around. Maybe you even have one shelf on your bookshelf dedicated to diaries. I don't see what the big deal was. Really. No, I mean, the, when you were reading that, all I could think of was instead of, you know, or like replace the word diaries with books. Yeah. And, I mean, I've had people all the time who come up to me and they're like, oh, I'm not a minimalist like you because I've got all these books that I have to, that I have to hang on to. Um, and, and, you know, I hang on to them because I love to flip the pages. I love how the pages smell. I love to just sit in my library and read a book. Oh, and then I have friends come over and I will give them a book or lend them a book. They come back after they read it. We'll have a nice conversation in my library. And, you know, in, in a case like that, I say keep your books. And in this case, I say keep your diaries. 
Um, if it doesn't feel right to scan them, uh, that I, I might encourage you uh, to to challenge yourself a little bit on. Meaning, like, pick your oldest diary or pick a diary that you're, you know, if if you think about it, spontaneously combusting, which which diary are you going to, you know, miss the least? Start there, and you could send it off to somewhere. It's uh, like a place called uh, OneDollarScan.com. Yeah. Or ScanMyPhotos.com. Is, I've, is I've never used any of those services personally. I've, I've done all the scanning myself. But if I was trying to scan like many, many pages, like a textbook or a diary, I probably would rather pay someone to to take uh, that time and do that rather than spend the time myself. Because you know, not only do uh, would I rather do something more valuable with my time. Um, but but I would let a professional at that point save the thing that that and do their you know have their uh, use their expertise uh, saving those things that are very very near and dear to me I guess um, but but yeah I, I don't see any problem here um, if if you've got if I walk into your home and I can't see your floor because it's covered in diaries something's got to be done right like you've got to be <laughs> able to organize them somehow or, or I hate that word organize but but put them on a bookshelf, dedicate them to, to a certain spot. Or if you don't have the room for them, then yes, you have to. You absolutely should start looking at scanning them. So uh, and plus, the, the benefit of scanning is also that, like, what if your house catches fire or something else happens? You you still have those things that you can go back and reference, and and that's nice. Whether you're scanning photos or something else, you. you because you can store it all in the cloud, you won't actually lose it if something happens to your home. I, mean, I think about, we were just in Houston uh, earlier this month and uh, there are 120,000 homes and, not, and countless businesses who lost you know, all kinds of records and irreplaceable things because they weren't stored uh, backed up electronically. And so scanning some of those things uh, might help you back those up and then with those backups you might eventually say you know what I don't need the physical physical good anymore it's no longer adding the value I thought it was yeah hey I just want to tell these guys real quick um, yeah. I see everyone commenting on the on the comment section which is great we encourage that you guys banter back and forth but just heads up Josh and I can't really see those comments I can just see them popping up on the side um, so if you're asking questions now is not the right time <laughs> to really pop in those questions. Yeah, yeah. We, we, so you so all, I, just, I just don't want you to think we're ignoring you. We're not ignoring you. We just can't read them from where we're sitting. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're answering your questions right now. You all submitted your questions on Patreon and then upvoted your favorite ones here. Uh, so Tor, he says, hi, Joshua and Ryan. I have two questions. Uh, and I wouldn't answer both questions usually, but this was, the, I think, the most popular one out of all of them. So cool. I don't know which one was most popular. Um, <laughs> He said, uh, why did you, Joshua, decide to quit your extremely well-paid job had you stayed but still worked on, on a change in your, and perhaps others as well, mindset towards minimalism, you would have saved toward, towards financial independence quickly and then after some time been totally free? Uh, I'm asking this question because it is relevant for my own situation. would like to hear, you, you, hear how you came to your conclusion. This isn't a terror. Like, this is not... An unreasonable point. No, I, and, and so here's the thing. Had I, I think it wouldn't have been a bad idea had what I was doing aligned with my values, but I was kind of part of the problem. I, I managed a bunch of retail stores, and and so there are two reasons why, really. One is I managed a bunch of retail stores that I felt like they weren't they weren't part of the solution by any any stretch of the imagination, but but they were all they weren't neutral either. Right. They were encouraging impulsive consumption. And so I had to get away from that because it didn't align with the person that I wanted to be. And, and the other thing that didn't align with the person I wanted to be, in order to do that job effectively, I had to work 362 days a year, uh, 80 hours a week. 
And uh, that didn't give me time for my health, my relationships, everything else. In order to be good at that job, in order to do that job effectively, that's what I had to do. And so it wasn't binary, or it was binary. It wasn't like, well, you can just scale back to 40 hours a week. 40 hours a week where I was was part-time, basically. And you couldn't get by doing 40 hours a week, and you know this, right? You were no. at the same corporation. Yeah. You couldn't. You just wouldn't last very long in the position. Right, you'd be fired. And so it, the, what was required, I was no longer willing to give. Right. right, and so being financially independent or financially free is, is 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 great, but if you have to rob a bank to get there, then it's not so great, is it? And so uh, we have to keep in mind our, our values before we before we commit to something that helps out our, our finances. And putting money first is truly a problem. I think I think he's bringing up a really awesome point though, because there are. There are people who feel like, well, I'll just, I'll just, you know, temporarily give into my values and beliefs. I'll do it for the next five years or for the next, you know, ten years, um, and just save up, you know, what I need to save up and pay off the debt I need to pay. And then finally, you know, I'll start living in alignment with what my priorities are and what those values and beliefs are. Um, and you know, I, if someone is doing that, like, I'm not going to judge them for it by any stretch. But what I will say is, like, I guarantee you that that, that person is is very discontented. Mm. And you know the the the, uh, the the object or the goal here is not to be you know to live a perfect life, but it's to live a meaningful life. And and if you're doing that, it's going to be really hard to live a, a meaningful life. Um, for me, I didn't just you know quit my job and start a blog. Like I was there, living out of out of alignment with my values and beliefs for the you know the next year, year and a half, and it was miserable. Yeah. And I wasn't willing to put in. Uh, much more time than that. Now I got laid off a year and a half into like my, my two year plan. Um, but, but you know, when it comes down to it, I was glad that I was kind of uh, let go of uh, six months earlier than I was anticipating myself to, to leave. But, but yeah, again, not knocking anyone who does decide to do that. Um, but when you start compromising your values and beliefs, it's a really, really slippery slope. His second question had to do with Patreon. He said, uh, listening to your podcast, it is just silly, in my opinion, that you cut out the Patreon exclusive part. So I think he means on, on a normal podcast. I would happily continue to support you on Patreon either way. I support you not to get the exclusives, but because I believe in the value of what you do and share. Well, so, so here's what I'll say is that's great and I appreciate the support, but not everyone would support us. Yeah, it really does mean the world to us. Like you, have, I just want to emphasize like how much we appreciate the support. Yeah, and I know, I know a couple bucks doesn't seem like a lot to most people, but when, when you add that up, what we're trying to do is, is get to 5,000 Patreon supporters so that we have enough money for the, the film studio. And so, yeah, you may support us either way, and we're grateful for that, but what we try to do as a thank you, really, is say thanks to our Patreon supporters by creating more meaningful creations for an exclusive group of people. And quite honestly, our, our answers are often uh, a lot, um, we're able to expand on them in a way, let our hair down, so to speak, in front of this very small group of, of less than 2,000 people. Um, well, Brian lets his hair down, as you can see. <laughs> um, mine's just, just gets taller. Um, Anyway, um, we, we are able to talk about some things to this private group of people in a way that is more difficult to do in front of a million people because 
there we, we have to cover more nuances or we have to give broader answers. But here we can dive a little bit deeper because we know that a lot of the people here are heroes to it are part of the, what Kevin Kelly would call the uh, uh, thousand true fans. Mm. And, and so this group of people understands um, the backstory and all this other stuff so we can dive deeper into the Patreon exclusive things. And, and it gives us this, this vehicle to test some stuff out too. That's why I've been doing the private podcast each week. It's, it's a new format. And by the way, when we build the podcast film studio, we'll, we'll be able to test other things with our Patreon supporters. You can be this testing ground to get these, these interesting new creations that aren't ready for the main stage, so to speak. But we, it's like, we, we went to the uh, comedy store recently in, in Hollywood, and we were watching just comedians try out their work there. And it's just great experience. It's so weird seeing like really like well-known comedians like Rogan or Dave, Sch and they got pieces of paper they're reading from trying stuff out. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Yeah, and it's because the, and that this is a, a, a trial ground for us, it allows us to try stuff that maybe we couldn't try out in front of a broader audience. Yeah, and you know what, a lot of it too, I think is practicality. If we were to leave those uh, questions in, it would extend the podcast that much more. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I mean, our podcasts, they run, what, uh, an hour and a half to, to two hours already. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of it has to do with practicality reasons as well, just to keep them nice and, nice and neat. Yeah, for sure. All right, Candace says, my husband and I have been together for 10 years. We have a good life slash relationship with three kids. However, my husband suffers from severe PTSD mm. after spending roughly four years total in a war zone. Uh, he likes to be alone, like Josh, and often opts out of family outings and events due to them usually involving going somewhere in a crowd. Um, do you have any advice for what I can tell myself or our children to understand his need to be alone is important so that we don't view it as, uh, as, as per so we don't view it personally or as a, a, a basically she doesn't want to, her or her kids to view it as an insult. So I think she answered her own question in her question. Yeah. And, 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 and because what you said there is, is how do we show our kids that uh, to not take it personally and that it's just that you know, dad needs his time alone. I mean, that's exactly what needs to be explained to the kids and to the family members, is we really love dad, and we really want him to be happy, and we want to support him. And we know that dad doesn't get along well and with large crowds, and he likes to be alone. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna go way out of our way to support dad. Yeah. And, and here's how we're gonna do it. We're gonna give him his alone time, we're gonna go have fun with the family, because that's what dad wants us to do. He wants us to go have fun with the family, well, he has some alone time. And I'm doing, it's weird, I, it's totally coincidental, but this year I am, I'm opting out of going to Christmas, the Christmas with the family because we've been traveling so much this year. And uh, Bex has a very large family and they all get together. And I'm out of place there anyway, just in, in general, but like I can suck it up and tolerate it and, and kind to everyone obviously, but it is really draining on me. And this year I just had to say no to it. And and it's important that you, the people close to you, so you being his wife, you, you Candace, you understand that um, in order to be supportive, you the word she used was actually, you said the answer is in the question here, um, but the, the word she used is um, how do I get, how do I, how can I tell myself and our children uh, to understand his need 
So, so he has this need, right? Now, here, here's how you understand it. What are your needs? And are they different from his? Of course they are. We're all different. Now, we all have underlying needs. We have a need for certainty, or we have a need to be unique or significant. We have a need for variety in our lives. We have a need to, for personal development. Contribution. Or, yeah, we all, have, we all have these needs, and, but we achieve those needs differently. And so this one need for him, the, this, this alone time, is probably it fulfills several needs. For me, it fulfills a need for certainty uh, uh, because, uh, you know, it's chaos when other people are around, especially large, crowd, large crowds of people. And I can tolerate that only so much. And, and so I have a need for certainty. That's one of the ways I, f I fill it with, with alone time. So what are your, some of your needs? And I think sitting down and talking to your kids about what your needs are and then what dad's needs are and then also talking to him about what your needs are and comparing that to what his needs are. One of his needs is alone time. Once you understand what your needs are, you can better understand the needs of, of the people closest to you. Yeah. All right. I know, we want to be respectful of your time. It says we've got seven minutes left here, so I'll try to get to as many of these as possible here. And says... Go to, we can go to a lightning round if you want. Uh, well, the good news is we have only two more. Okay. So Anne says, I would love to hear your thoughts on buying local. I understand the value of purchasing something quality, organic, etc., from small businesses and the value that brings, but what about buying an incidental item at a chain store versus a local small business? Is it better to save, say, 30% on the purchase of something, for instance, almond milk uh, of the same brand, to save your own money, or if you are not in debt, of course, is it best to give more money to a local business that might be paying workers more and contributing to the community. The, um, there's a there's a restaurant right by our uh, Mariah and I's place in West Hollywood. Mm -hmm. It's called AOC. You actually you and Bex and Ella met us there. Um, I don't I don't know if you saw this on the on the receipt or not, um, but they upcharge eight percent for uh, employee health insurance. Mm. It's an automatic charge that they put on there, and they, and they clearly note it. And they even say, if you want this removed, just ask and we'll go ahead and remove it. Oh, wow. But I got to say, like, I am perfectly happy to uh, pay an extra 8% to help the employees with their health care. Going back to your point, because I can afford it, right. I'm not going to go into debt. I'm not, you know, going deeper in credit card debt, uh, providing that form. So because I can afford that and that's something I can contribute towards, I'm happy to do that. Now, I want to be very clear, like, there's nothing wrong with buying something at one of the major chains. Um, I avoid the major change as much as possible only because I would rather put my dollars into the local economy and yeah, I will pay a little bit more because again, because I, I can afford that. Um, but certainly if, you know, if I'm on the road and that's the only option is to walk into a CVS and, and get, you know, a new bar of soap or something that I need, like I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't beat myself up over a decision like that. And also most of the time local tends to be better in other respects besides just the 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 monetary they may cost more but but most of what we do when we buy local here's an example so we're in the the, the back uh, of bandit coffee house in st pete we're, we're partners in, in this coffee house here with our good friends joshua and sarah weaver and um they do an outstanding job of being a hub for the community right and um, the coffee here is more expensive than if you were to um, buy it at the gas station two blocks from here. Absolutely. Uh, it's exponentially better, 
but not just the quality of the product, but the quality of the aesthetics of the shop, the, the quality of the service that you're going to get, the, the, the quality of interactions you're going to get with patrons there. It is a community space. And so by paying more for a cup of coffee, you're not just paying for that good or service, you're paying for a, a community service quite often. And so yes, you can't afford it. And I'll, just like Ryan, I don't begrudge people who go to Walmart to buy uh, the things that they need because they can't afford to shop at you know, the Whole Foods. I totally understand that. I grew up on food stamps and government assistance and we bought whatever we could afford that day or that week. And, and I totally understand that, but if you can afford to support your local businesses, do that first when possible. You're not going to be perfect and you may still support some big chain stores occasionally, but by being more intentional with where your dollars go, you'll end up supporting your local community in a, in a more intentional way. Yeah, definitely. All right. And yeah, I mean, just, I mean, I guess the like, if I could say that, like sum that up in one sentence, when you go to an independently uh, owned place, they're usually going to pay attention to more detail than the bigger chains. And, and money isn't the, the primary, primary objective. Driver, right? Like they're, they're, more, they're, they're more passionate about whatever it is they're putting their, their work uh, into. We, we have to make money to keep the lights on, sure. right? But, but um, it's not the primary driver for doing what we do. Otherwise, we'd just find a different business to be in than the coffee business. We just start, you know, we just start advertising on our podcast. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> let's see here, uh, let's do one more question. Rosalind says, hey fellas, with the holiday season coming up, I save this one for last because, well, it's the holiday season. It is. <laughs> so with the holiday season coming up, it's all, we're already in the holiday season. That's right. <laughs> I'm, I'm very nervous about the prospect of receiving gifts Ooh. and the possibility that it may reignite my hoarding tendencies as it can be seen as an excuse to be greedy and indulgent, both with food and with stuff. I've given away almost half uh, of my things this year, and I've made major progress, but I'd hate to, ch to challenge that due to a custom of excess. Mm. Do you have advice on how to firstly and kindly reject uh, unneeded gifts, and secondly, how do I explain this concern without sounding like a mean Scrooge? Yeah, I took a little bit of a deep sigh there at the beginning of your question because it's too late. Yeah, uh, and it's and if someone gives you a gift and then just put your hand out and say no, that's mm -hmm. rude. Um, it's it's uh, it is it is too late for this holiday season. Unfortunately, uh, it's in about two months. We're going to be February is right around the corner, right? And uh, that's the time to start setting expectations for next holiday season. Yes. Uh, but when emotions aren't involved in it, when, when the stakes are less high, it's planting the seed and watering that seed over the course of the next 11 months, basically. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, what you can do is you can talk about the types of gifts that you do want. So instead of waiting around for the shiny widget that someone's going to give you, you can wait around uh, for an experience or a... Uh, consumable and you're not actually waiting around you set that expectation instead of telling them no I don't want gifts people don't want to hear no they want to hear yes so tell them what your yes is maybe you really need uh, or maybe you really want Maybe you really find value in some concert tickets or a massage or uh, maybe it's going on a trip with someone you you love maybe it's you know, one of these holiday uh, experiences like going chopping down a Christmas tree like my family does each year it's relatively inexpensive, but it's a great experience to have. 
And so finding out what those experiences are or consumables like a great bag of coffee or a bottle of wine, something that you can enjoy together, a meal together, these are experiences. And by doing that, by, by asking for those things, you're not telling them no, you're telling them yes. And you're also not bringing another thing into your life that you can hoard. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you the one time it is appropriate to say no to a gift is when you have set those expectations. Mm. So if, if you set those expectations and you've gone out of your way to ask people to respect you and to support you, and then they show you with their actions that they're not supporting you or respecting, respecting you, uh, then that is when personally I am, I am totally okay, very politely to be like, Oh no, thank you. And, I, and I've done this before at Christmases, um, uh, not last Christmas, but the Christmas before I got a t-shirt and it was a nice t-shirt, but I wear black t-shirts. That's it. Like I don't wear logos. Um, it was, it was a t-shirt that supported a very good cause, but I, I didn't look good in it. I didn't feel good in it. And it wasn't going to persuade me from, from wearing anything other than black t-shirts. So I, w I went back to the person who gave it to me and I said, look, I really appreciate you giving me this t-shirt and this is a really, really good cause. And I would hate for this t-shirt to go to waste. This, this does not look great on me. Uh, so chances are I'm probably not ever going to wear this. Mm -hmm. uh, do you mind if I find this a better home or um, do you want me to give it back so you can find it a better home? In this case, this person said, you know what? I know someone else who probably would love that t-shirt. Why don't you go ahead and give it back to me and I will, and I will uh, uh, give it away to someone else. And there were no hard feelings. And that person and I are still very, in fact, we're closer uh, this, this season just because I've known them longer and we, we've had more experiences together. So, you know, ultimately setting those expectations up front, some people still won't respect those expectations. And that's when it is okay to say, hey, we talked about this and uh, this, is, this is something that I'm not gonna be able to use. I wanna find someone else that can use this or I can give it back to you, I'm happy to do that too. Um, but, you know, either way, I'm really happy to be with you this holiday season. Yes, indeed. It's a good place to end it, y'all. Happy holidays from the minimalists. We will see you next month on the next live stream. Hope you're enjoying all the Patreon exclusives that we're putting out there. Hope you continue to enjoy the podcast. We really do appreciate your support. Uh, you are will keep the podcast 100% advertisement free. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Our website's advertisement free, and we think advertisements suck. So if y'all leave here with one message, we hope it's this: love people and use things. The opposite never works. See you next time, y'all. Thank see you very it. much. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Every little thing that you gotta have Every little thing that you gotta have you gotta reach for, and you gotta grab, oh I bet that you'll be fine without it. So tear your eyes away, or tear